This is The Trend, where we'll be giving enlightened perspectives on trending topics with amazing commentary. I'm one of your hosts, RTL Faith, with my co-host here, Gold Soul. What's going on, guys? Today, we're going to be talking about the Mona Lisa being vandalized. We're also going to be talking about the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial, and we're going to be ending with the NBA Finals. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This should be a lot of fun um, as we talk about these different topics. The first thing we're going to be starting off with is the Mona Lisa situation. So you may be asking, what are you talking about? What could this be about? Well, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Um, the Mona Lisa had a very famous art uh, with the, you know, the woman uh, with the painting, of course. Uh, what happened is apparently some uh, climate change activists. What he did is he dressed up as a woman. He went inside the museum, he tried to break the glass the Mona Lisa was in, when he couldn't do that, he got cream, don't know what kind of cream, but he got cream, and spread the cream all over the Mona Lisa, and then he tried to run away, he got caught, and when he was running away, he was saying, oh, uh, protect the earth, uh, save the earth, so apparently he did this as a climate change public uh show sign of you know the wrong things about climate change so yeah that was a very interesting way to go about that what do you, what do you think gold wow i mean there's so many different parts to that story almost it's like one why did he dress up as a woman uh was he just trying to have a disguise in general or was it just uh you know something he's into but it's kind of crazy that he got multiple attempts at actually trying to, you know, vandalize the Mona Lisa. He tried to, you know, originally do it and he probably didn't realize there was glass or whatnot, which I didn't know there was glass covering it. I guess it makes sense. You know, you don't want those things that are priceless just being out in the open like that. But the fact that he got to make two attempts and actually got to smear the cream on it the second time around, it's just wild. You would think that a painting as famous and uh, you know, well-known as that would have people at least watching it or close to it, you know? And I always thought that like famous art normally has some kind of sensors on it, whether it's like something that gets too close to it or something that actually touches it. Um, I just don't see how we got two different uh, attempts at actually vandalizing it, you know? And finally, what does that have to do with climate change? Did you have any idea what that was about? No, from, from what was said, there's no reason he just thought this would be a public show to show that he's supporting a cause um this is not a one-to-one -one, but i'm sure this kind of is what his mindset I, i'm not going to dive into his mindset but i'm sure people would make this kind of similarity that in the biggest like in order to make a big name of your cause or make a big uh you know uh scene when it comes to your cause uh, another example, I actually seen this on TikTok, is there's a scientist and he what he did is he was preventing people to go into a bank. I don't remember which bank it was, but he was preventing trying to prevent people to go inside the bank because this bank was supporting um, something regarding fossil fuels. I think it's something where they were funding something regarding oil or something. And he's a big activist on, you know, climate change as well. And he wanted to make a big scene. He kept on trying to prevent people, eventually got arrested. It was, went viral on TikTok. And it's just another one of those examples where he so, was trying to be as loud as possible so people can listen to him. So they're literally just doing these criminal acts for clout. 
pretty much, right? So they're they're doing this for clout so that when the attention comes to them, whether it's them getting arrested or something along those lines, that's when they can actually like say what they're trying to promote. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and what makes it tough, right? Climate change is a very weird topic, honestly, because sure we all don't want the earth to get destroyed we'll all die we don't want the earth to be destroyed i i personally think there's definitely ways we could do uh protect our earth better like um our my i don't know about your recycling system but the recycling system in my neighborhood is non-existent it doesn't even exist so you know i live live downtown um in the city of canton so there's a couple things in certain companies like the uh one business i work for he does some recycling stuff but it's not like everywhere has recycling. You normally need to take it to a specific place to get it recycled. You know, it's not like they're picking it up outside your house at every single house, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there's definitely things that could be done better in terms of, you know, protecting our planet, you know, not polluting our oceans, for example, with all the plastic and all that nasty stuff. And see, that's one of the big ones for me that I feel like can get something done. You, there's tons of plastic in the ocean. There's tons of ways to recycle plastic. And I feel like there's got to be some kind of efficient way to get rid of all those. Like, have you seen that island of plastic out in the ocean that they talk about? Uh, I think I, I think I probably saw a clip. Not gonna lie. Yeah, we have time. Look that up. And there's literally like, it's like a trash mound in the ocean, but it's like its own island. And there's just like literally animals living in it. You get a lot of those like, uh, like ducks and seagulls, different things like that, getting trapped in the kind of plastic and such. And, I always thought that there's got to be a more efficient way where we can have like, you know, let, let's take criminals. Let's make them fish it out as some kind of work release, pull out all this plastic and like, I don't know, compact that shit into like a, a brick and build stuff with it. I don't really care, but there's got to be some efficient way to get rid of plastic. You know, they found tons of ways whether it's making, you know, sandals and stuff like that. I know there's some kind of shoe companies that use recycled uh, products. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be a better way to go about specifically the plastic in the ocean but things like ozone and all the more scientifically particular things is a lot more difficult to actually find ways to make it efficient for the rest of humanity to like aid in those kind of things yeah um and like i i talked to i talked to you about it uh jordan peterson i don't know if it was him or someone else but they're talking about climate change and they were bringing up very uh valid points in terms of the solutions of climate change itself because one thing people will say is, you know, you know, reduce your carbon footprint, reduce the uh, what you how much the electricity you're spending or regardless like that, which is not realistic in terms of how we live, how I live, you know, with all the technology, bro. I'm on a laptop, have a mic, have another screen. My TV's over there, my Xbox, my phone. I'm not reducing the electricity. That's just not realistic, and especially now that everybody's working from home, it's not I realistic. Feel like typically, everybody started to use more electricity over the past, you know, years. Pretty much since they've had climate change as a central topic, that's one of the things that there's really not a lot of hope for. Because especially with things like, uh, like cryptocurrency mining, like Bitcoin miners and stuff, they use like an insane amount of energy, and that's only getting bigger. So. That's one that I find is going to be a hard way to really like scale down and minimize. That's why I like think the things like plastic recycling is like an actual doable procedure. Like those things can actually happen, but cutting back the electricity that humanity uses in 2022 is, you know, a tough ask, you know, in general. 
Yeah, and I do think in terms of climate change, like we'll, we'll probably do a whole episode on climate change eventually down the line because there's a lot of nuance in terms of climate change and the realisticness. I don't even know if that's the word, but the realism of how drastic and how bad like global warming and climate change really is. And if we can even do anything to stop it in the first place, because at the end of the day, you know, even um, a lot of the things that's going on in our world is inevitable. I mean, there's a cycle of ice ages that uh, that happens throughout the entire Earth's history. Eventually, we'll have another ice age and, and nothing we can do about that. So I, at, yeah, I do want to do more research about it. But from what I've seen so far, it seems like a lot of the things that people are proposing is either unrealistic or there's no real solution. They're just, you know, being emotional about it. Yeah, because like bringing us back to the Mona Lisa, it'd be one thing if this guy did this to get the attention, to get the clout, because he knew that if he, you know, vandalized the Mona Lisa, there's going to be news reported on it. He's probably going to go viral on Twitter or whatever. But once you get that attention, like, what do you do with it? What are you doing with it, man? Instead of yelling climate change this, climate change that, why don't you put forward an actual, you know, solution for something? Why don't you put forward something that might actually help in the long run instead of just, you know, blankly or flatly or broadly just being like oh help the climate you know what i mean like that's we all want to help the climate for the most part but how you know those are the things that you need to be doing if you're going to make some kind of bold statement like this you know what i mean and that right there is the key point what are you going to do once you got that cloud what do you what is your solution because i do think the mona lisa example the scientist example that i brought up um some other examples that I won't bring up today, but we may talk about some other time. Okay, you are raising awareness for a particular issue. Understandable. A lot of the issues are very, um, you know, just, you know, the morally good, so to speak. What next? What is your solution? Right. You rose awareness. What do you plan to do with that newfound, uh, you know, notoriety? Because a lot of situations for me personally, from what I've seen, I've seen a lot of people do, you know, do uh, protesting about different things. I see a lot of people do very controversial protesting in terms of in different scenarios, they're doing a certain thing that would not be ideal in terms of um, what you're doing. Um, but in those scenarios, no matter how just their cause may be, their solution is either not a solution like they're just not saying anything or they don't have a solution they're just saying fix it like how does that help anything i, I think that's right. a fundamental Raising, problem right raising awareness only goes so far you know what i mean like once you get people aware of an issue it doesn't help solve anything so you need to be able to get that awareness yeah like that's a big part of it but things like climate change have been going on for you know the advocacy for it in general has been going on for you know probably decades now but you have to be able to once you've got everyone's attention you got to be able to bring something to the table that will actually you know help provide real substantial change like you know real tangible change that people can see that their efforts are going to you know what i mean like oh i started recycling i started doing all these things to try to help climate change i would like to see what those efforts are going towards you know what i mean exactly and i think that's a huge thing people need to kind of consider in these given scenarios um i what i really don't hope 
with this Mona Lisa situation or any situations that are similar to it that I feel like happens actually a lot, like especially on Twitter, for example, is just because you support a cause, you allow things that are done that is not right. Arguably criminal, arguably morally unjust, but I feel like there will be people on social media or just in general uh, that will be going like, oh yeah, who cares about the Mona Lisa? We need to fix the earth. And not really thinking about what they're saying or the scenario itself. It's like, right? Did you they'll just see their, what he did? Yeah, they'll put their more they'll they'll have a just cause, but then they'll do something morally gray or bad to try to contribute toward this just cause. When it's really like, you know, you shouldn't be bringing in something negative to something just to try to push forward your agenda for another thing. You know what I mean? Like if you have to step on somebody to be able to get to your actual goal even though your goal is good, that's still not the right way to go about it. You know, you got to actually, it, it doesn't help to bring something negative to the situation just because in the end you want, it, you know, a positive or a just or a, you know, some kind of major cause or whatnot. Um, yeah, it's just not the right way to approach it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. But yeah, that's that's our, our quick segment on the Mona Lisa situation. Kind of a crazy situation. Rubbing cream on the Mona Lisa. Like, if you take out the climate change portion of it, if he did not say this, everybody would just think this guy is completely nuts and crazy. And he's Are a perfect. Like whipped cream? Are we talking like Cool Whip? Are we talking like like banana cream pie? Like what kind of what kind of cream are we talking about? Hey man, hey, it could be some type of cream that we don't want to say on air, it, like low key. So we don't really know what type of cream it really be. And he could just be a pervert that just wanted to do something to the Mona Lisa. In reality, it could be that simple. So uh, I mean, I've never really understood what the fascination with the Mona Lisa is in general, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's a nice painting and all, but like, is there some kind of crazy significant meaning behind it? Or is it just one of those things that kind of has grown its significance in the in the world's eyes and history's eyes over time um i don't know much about like the backstory behind the mona lisa because what that was uh leonardo da vinci i believe it was leonardo da vinci and with art so i'm i'm kind of similar i don't really have the strong uh, like connection to art and to NFTs, like if we if we could extend it to NFTs too, but I think it's purely based on who created it, when they created it, and like you said, meaning. I don't know what the meaning is for the Mona Lisa, but it's the fact that it's Leonardo da Vinci, it's just you know it's just one of those things that will stand the test of time, bro. There there are literally like lines that will sell for millions of dollars just because of who made it. And when they made it so art is the most subjective thing that is like that exists honestly art is a crazy just world in general um beyond the fact that like some of the most random looking paintings and such will sell for you know millions of dollars and stuff but it's also one of those things it's i don't want to say it's like a lot a lot like hip-hop music but it's one of those things that a lot of people don't give artists their proper credit when they're alive they don't get their flowers when they're here it's always like once they're dead or whatever that's when the actual value skyrockets because i watched a documentary about what was his name 
uh, what was it, Picasso? He's the one that cut his ear off, right? And so I watched the documentary mm-hmm. about him and they were talking about he had put out like 150 paintings and stuff while he was alive and he never really made any money off of it all. And But once he was gone, you know, the value skyrocketed and people really started mm-hmm. to appreciate what he was bringing, his style and everything like that. So yeah, art's just weird, man. It's um, one of those things that is extremely subjective, like you said, but a lot of these artists never get to, you know, reap the benefits of their art because it doesn't get appreciated till they're gone. Exactly. And for all we know, that Mona Lisa could be a fake. And it just looks like the Mona Lisa. So art is weird. Did they ever say like where the guy was from or anything like that? Where it was like, uh, I don't even know where the Mona Lisa is being stored. Is it like what, France or something like that? Um, I didn't look into that. Uh, They never really talked about the guy's background. They just Hmm. said it was an old guy who dressed up as a woman. And then he did what he did. So it's still so random. It's it's very oh, I, random. We need we need to get the picture of what this dude looked like dressed up as a woman sometime. I wonder if that's came out. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, he his, he's got his mugshot cross dressing. <laughs> hey man, I I bet if he if he came without the wig, I'm sure people will be like, bro, nah, get the get out, get out, get out immediately. So, uh, so yeah, so I mean. That was a pretty interesting topic. I think we can move on to the second segment. And yeah, it no. gets a lot more equally as funny, but also way more serious. But go ahead. Yeah, and that's one of the things about this uh, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial is that just there's so many things that happened in it and so many just outlandish things that happen. But also there's people right and wrong on both sides, you know. And one of the things that I kind of accumulated from watching it all is just like, it has swung the momentum back and forth between the two of them. So with the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial, it's actually a, a civil court and not a criminal court hearing. And so Johnny Depp is suing Amber Heard. And it, the uh, trial is actually happening in Virginia, which you're located in Virginia, aren't you? I am, yep. Nice. I thought so, but I wasn't positive. Um, so he's suing her for um, defamation because back a couple years ago, I think it was three or four years ago, something like that, when she had came out with these original abuse allegations, Johnny Depp started to really get a lot of, you know, bad press. He got fired off of jobs, uh, things like uh, Fantastic Beast and different things like that. He really was starting to feel the effects of her claiming him to be an abuser. And he got put in the, you know, in the tank for a long time. And a lot of people canceled him for a long time. And then the more we started to get about the case, the more it started to show that that wasn't everything that was there. You know, we found out about how cruel and abusive Amber Heard also was. She uh, had some recordings or Johnny Depp had recordings just pretty much flat out of her telling, you know, Johnny about how she abused him and how she hit him and all this different stuff. And there's a couple of things I'm going to go through here in a minute. But just in general, Johnny Depp is suing uh, Amber Heard for $50 million for a defamation uh, suit. But now also Amber Heard is countersuing him as well. So they're both suing each other currently. And it's just turned into a circus, man. The whole trial, like the actual trial has been a circus from day one. Um, have you tuned into any of the trial or seen anything about it before I jump into some more stuff about it? Uh, yeah, so I haven't really been paying attention to the trial personally because I, I even though I like Johnny Depp, I don't really care about the case itself. Um, but I have seen clips of the case. 
One notable clip that I've seen, which was actually absolutely hilarious, is when one uh, one of the attorney, well, I think her command name is Camille, she was uh, cross-examining Amber Heard, and she showed her a picture of her, and she was like, yeah, so this was you a day after, et cetera, et cetera. I'm guessing something with uh, Johnny Depp. And she said, I don't remember when this uh, image was taken. And she said it three more times. And she's like, I don't remember the image was taken. And and then Camille was like, all right, bet. And then she said, yo, can I show her this uh, this news article real quick, judge? The judge is like, okay, go for it. And then she put it in front of Amber Heard and says, read that. And then Amber Heard read it and it was like, Oh yeah, the day after. So it's like you're literally just lying and you just caught up right in a lie. I'm well, like, bro, that's so dumb. That's so funny, that bro. That brings me to another point about this whole case. Is like she's been caught lying multiple times on the stand, and it's like making her look so terrible. And like, I understand that. In my personal opinion, they're both abusers. They both abused each other. And the reason a lot of people are siding with Johnny Depp is at least he's kind of like owned up to some of the things that have came his way. And plus, she also abused him, but she also went out of her way to really get him canceled and lose all these jobs and opportunities and stuff like that. So I can understand where he's coming from. But as far as the lies, there was this one lie that I thought was just like Amber Heard is just a slimy person for doing dumb shit like this. So she had posted these images about you know, having bruises on her face and stuff like that. And they were showing this makeup in the courtroom and they were like, you know, Amber, isn't this the makeup that you use to cover up those bruises and stuff when you posted this image, you know, back in 2018 or whatever. And she's like, oh yeah, you know, I use that every day on set to cover up the bruises on me and stuff from what Johnny did. And, you know, that's the exact makeup that I used. And she was on the stand, supposed to be telling the truth for this. And the actual makeup company tweeted at Amber Heard, the trial, everybody, that that makeup brand wasn't even in line, like on the shelves when she posted that. So it wasn't even created yet. It wasn't even in stores. And she was literally just making up that this was the makeup that she used. And the, the makeup brand put her on blast and was like, why are you lying to all of us? And I'm just like, you can't even get a simple lie like that correct. Like, what are you doing, you know? And it's just so crazy about how they picked apart what she did and even companies like that are going out of their way to be like, nah, she's lying about all this because that makeup wasn't even real then. Yeah, Amber Heard has definitely shown herself to be a pretty terrible person. And isn't there like stories of how her past uh, girlfriends, she used to abuse them too? Like, that, that's what I've heard. About those. Uh, so from what I've seen, uh, I might have been in a clip, uh, don't quote me on this, but I might have seen a clip that talked about it. And apparently her past girlfriends have spoken out with Amber Heard's, uh, you know, history of being violent tendencies. So apparently Amber Heard is just been an aggressive person her entire life. Uh, well, for her past relationships anyway. And, yeah. you know, being violent, lying, like, I think it's. At that point, it becomes pretty clear how horrible of a person she actually is. Yeah, I uh, mean, there's, there's people even wondering if, because she dated Elon Musk for a while there, and there was pictures of him having bruises and stuff, and people are questioning whether she was abusive to him as well. And I mean, just like the audio clips that they played in the courtroom about Amber talking to Johnny, being like, she was like, you know, yeah, I hit you. And Johnny Depp's like, you know, I don't want, you know, 
this to be aggressive. I don't want you to hit me. And she's like, oh, you know, calling him a baby and telling him to suck it up and all this stuff. And I'm just like, Jesus, woman, like, relax. Like, the guy doesn't want to be hit. It should be pretty understandable. And just the way she treated him in those specific clips was very, like, demeaning and, you know, like, belittling and stuff. And so you can just imagine that other instances when they're in private and stuff like that, that it could have been really bad how they were, you know, how he was having to go through all of that stuff. And I could never imagine being with somebody like that, you know, like, why would you subject yourself to that kind of abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse? You know what I mean? Like, that's just a lot. Oh, so that goes into another conversation. But the first thing, it even goes even like, it's not like Amber Heard is, uh, as she would say, like, just tap, like, slightly hitting him or like, you know, lightly punching him. No, she was violent, very yeah. violent towards. Apparently, he a part of his finger got cut off because she threw something at him. Yeah, no, I had a, a note written down because that was one of the parts that stuck out to me was she had thrown a uh, like a handle of vodka at him, like a vodka bottle, and it shattered and it cut off the tip of his finger. And they were saying people that like because he had like a uh, a table reading or something like that the next day where he had to like, you know, go to an acting job and they kind of went over the script together and such. And people were asking him about it and he was like trying to play it off like it was no big deal. But, you know, when really he's getting his ass kicked pretty much at home. But just the fact that you would throw a bottle at somebody that you care about like that, like that's crazy dangerous. And obviously he got hurt, but it could have been way worse if it would have hit like more direct and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And that goes into another thing is the... I won't say, like, toxic masculinity. It's more so, like, when it comes to a woman beating on a man, that's not really a thing that anybody wants to hear. Men well, will think you're soft. Women will think you're soft. It's like there's exactly. really no win-win in that situation. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a crazy, you know, dynamic when, you know, the world in general is taking uh, domestic violence a lot more serious than in the past. and. Obviously, a lot of that is because they want to protect women that are scared to come forward um, and just having a hard time stepping up to really make people be accountable for abusing them, things like that. But it has always been a stigma and just a perspective that people have that, you know, no man can be abused. It's almost like when they say no man can be, you know, R-worded. And that's just not the case. You know what I mean? Like anybody can be abused. It's just the the situation kind of depends on what is going on, who it is, how it's going down. But the general consensus is most people don't have much empathy or sympathy for a man getting beat up by a woman. But they think about it a lot of just being, you know, maybe she's punching you, something like that. But we're talking about glass bottles, you know, cuts and different things like that. Getting That's not just typical abuse. That's not like her slapping them in the face. You know what I mean? There's a difference there. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And this brings up another clip that I saw. Um, do you have you do you watch Wild Now? I haven't for a while, but I used to a bunch. Uh, do you remember? I think his name is D, not DJ, uh, not the DJ D Rack, but uh, the another guy, I think his name is DJ. He's a light skinned dude, pretty tall, is like curly hair. I think he has colored eyes, pretty biggish. Sure. Um, if you saw a picture of him. You would know who he is, yeah. but I don't remember his exact name. So apparently he did an interview and he was talking about his history. So apparently when he was 12 years old, 
he was uh, sexually assaulted by two 30-year-old women. Jesus. At the age of 12 years old, two 30-year-old women, and he never told anybody about that story. It's traumatizing. Exactly. And people just go, people would not think of, oh, that's, that's like a thing. Obviously, you know, you think of it now, it's like, oh, it's bad, but... If you're a guy, even if you're a boy, if you're a teenager, if you're if you're in there's like this stigma, like you said, that hey man, suck it up. Right. You're a man, be a man right. regardless. And although I'm not I'm not one of those people that think, you know, all men should be soft, all men should be emotional. No. But I am a guy who thinks that in terms of criminal activities, it should be fair across the board. No matter what gender you are, yeah, so absolutely, I, yeah. I mean, just speaking back to the the whole perspective of a man getting beat up and the the size that people are taking and stuff. This case is really the first time that I can think of that the majority of people are siding with the male abuse victim. Like, can you think of any other situation where something like that has happened? Because I have no idea. It's the first time it's ever happened to me. And that I can, you know, have seen the, the the talk, the comments, all this stuff where most people are on Johnny Depp's side. And a couple of years back when this first broke, he was getting slandered. He was getting canceled, all this stuff. And now that the more facts have came out, we've gotten a better just perspective of it all. It seems like a lot of people are really on Johnny Depp's side. And that's just kind of a, I don't want to say a miracle, but just unusual for people to side with a male abuse victim. Yeah, but I would like to add another way to kind of think about it is imagine if Johnny Depp didn't have those recordings. Imagine if he did not have the insight to record her saying this obviously uh, damaging stuff. And Amber Heard's also stupid. Like she lied so many times on the stand. She's just not a dumb person. Right. And Camille's a pretty good attorney. But, you know, those voice recordings are huge. If he didn't have those voice recordings... People would still be thinking, probably, I feel like those voice recordings did not exist. People would not be on Johnny Depp's side as a uh, majority. Not at so, all, yeah. People people really were completely against him until those recordings came out. And then also as the trial became to really start to show a lot of the stuff that happened behind the scenes. Like, there was another story about, I don't know if you saw this, why people are calling her Amber Turd. But there was a time when she shit in Johnny Depp's bed and Johnny came back to the uh, his like apartment or whatever it was and seeing that she had laid this deuce in his bed and it's just like weird little facts like that crazy little things to like piss off the, her partner that she did throughout this relationship and it just shows like she's not all there mentally man like who does that you know and she tried to blame it on the dogs and they said that uh <laughs> Johnny Depp was like their dogs are like little tiny like teacup whatever's and he's like, these dogs could not lay that kind of, you know, that kind of dump. And it's just like, she'll lie about anything. And who else would lay a dump? Like, even their dogs wouldn't shit in the bed, I'm sure, you know? That's just insane. Disgusting. The, the fact that people, like, notable people keep on getting a relationship with this woman is kind of crazy. Like, sure, she's attractive, but Jesus, she it's not like she's that. the, she ain't the most, like, I... There is a way more women in the Hollywood space that I would say more attractive than Amber Heard. So I don't know how she keeps on bagging 
these guys, bro, she must just be crazy in in, in bed, bro. That, yeah. That's all. She, it. she must have something in there, because uh, I don't get it either. And also the fact of that, like, this went on for a while. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like a one time thing. It wasn't like they were only dating for so long, and then as soon as it happened, they split up. Like, this was an ongoing saga that happened over years, and they were married. Or they, you know abused each other went back to each other exposed each other like this is a long process that has happened with them and it's just crazy to see how the perspective has changed throughout this whole thing since it first broke with the uh accusations from amber on johnny and it's just like completely transformed from this perspective to a different one to a different one and it just keeps getting crazier and crazier and once you find out more and more details about it it's like you know this relationship was a roller coaster of chaos yeah it, it's pretty bad and if you really think about it if she did not say like this just goes into how dumb amber heard is if she didn't say anything nobody would be talking about her yeah nobody would be talking about her her uh abuse her on johnny depp well, but she started it i was about to say she probably thought she got away with it at, uh, got away with one at first when everyone was canceling him and you know giving her all of the sympathy and empathy and all this stuff. And, you know, at first she was riding high and now, you know, she really, uh, it really came back to bite her. And I mean, this was a huge case. It lasted six weeks. Um, we actually get the verdict on the 31st on Tuesday, tomorrow. Um, so I'm really excited to see how they actually come back. I, I don't see how Amber Heard could not end up guilty in this and she's end up going to have to just pay all this money. Um, but there was a lot of other things that came out through this case. Like, um, she had Amber Heard had pledged like, you know, I forget the exact amount, but some millions of dollars. It was like five to ten million dollars for this certain fund. And the attorneys had dug deep and found out that she hadn't actually paid any of this money that was supposed to be donated because it was actually part of the divorce settlement between her and Johnny was that a certain amount of money Johnny had to pay to her and she was going to donate it to this fundraiser or something like a foundation. And she never did that either. So that's another lie that she got caught up in. And the fact that this thing was being streamed for the entire six weeks every day. We, there was at one point 1.2 million people watching a live stream. <laughs> That's crazy. That's insane. That's like, crazy. Just, like, who, this, it's like the OJ case with no murder. And the fact that people cared that much. And even beyond the people that were just tuning in live, there was so many people that went to the actual courthouse, camped out all week, all weekend, would be there overnight just to be able to get into the courtroom. And it was just so bonkers about how much fans and people cared about this. There's a domestic dispute between these two stars. And I just thought it was a circus, man, like a freaking circus. Like imagine having people camping outside of a courtroom to be able to come watch it. 1.2 million people in a live stream watching it. Like that's an insane amount of attention. Yeah. And to be fair, even though I didn't really care about the case, the clips I saw made this case entertaining. Like, this absolutely. was like entertaining. The amount of lies Amber Heard was telling is actually crazy. That's why it's so. That's why it's so hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I, I do you know how much money Depp is getting if he wins? Um, it was a fifty million dollar uh, suit. Is what he is suing her for. So if he wins, she's supposed to be paying that. Um, I don't know if when the jury comes back can they like change that amount you know what i mean i think i saw something that said he could be rewarded more but i don't know how those details actually work 
Um, okay. But it, it should be a minimum of $50 million is what he's actually trying to get from her. I, I'm i trying to think. In terms of Amber Heard, in terms of star level, she's nowhere close to death. So I'm trying to see. I wonder if she actually has $50 million. I, I was thinking the same thing too, man. I'm like, I don't think she has that kind of money, especially like she's been in really big movies like aquaman and stuff but she hasn't been in a ton of them like johnny depp whole another story like he's been in numerous blockbuster movies numerous big budget movies he's been just the pirates of the caribbean alone how many of those movies was there like four or five yeah there's like and he was the main star amber heard was just a co-star to jason momoa's movie i don't really know a single other movie amber heard has started me neither, man. Um, and I, I, I'm typically a movie person. So, like, I don't know really what her body of work is, and I don't know how she would get awarded that. Um, I wonder if – because she she married Elon Musk, didn't she? Or was she just dating him? If she, I don't know. If she I pays Johnny Depp through money she got from Elon Musk, that would be crazy. Yeah, well, I'm wondering if she was married to him, if she maybe got a bag when they got divorced or something like that. Huh, yeah, I guess that's possible, yeah. I mean – which is a whole nother bag of worms in terms of marriage, divorce, child support, and oh, yeah. how messed up that situation is. So she probably got a crazy bag from Elon, unless Elon was smart and was like, you better sign this prenup. But I doubt it. I don't I think he did too, that. But... Yeah. yeah. And I'm, no one I'm... ever heard. I doubt she'll ever sign that. <laughs> she'll never sign that. Yeah. And crazy. now... Another thing that was kind of random, and it was just a, I don't even know, just a thing that happened that I don't think was real, but it just showed how fanatical the people watching and tuning into the actual case were. There was a scene where Amber Heard was blowing her nose into a tissue. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And everyone thought she was doing coke on the stand. And there was literally so many people that really thought that was real. And I'm like, Trust me, I don't like Amber Heard, but I don't think that that's real. I don't think that she would do that on the stand. Like, how would that make any sense? Like, that's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But you'd be surprised at how many people were really believing it and thinking that, you know, they're making conspiracy TikToks about it. And like, every time she like twitched her eyes or whatever, they'd be like, oh, Coke face or this and that. And I'm just like, man, I'm sure she's probably done her fair share in her lifetime living in Hollywood. And I think they even said Johnny Depp did a decent bit throughout his but nobody has the audacity to do that in a courtroom in front of millions of people um but the reaction that people had i thought was just bonkers it just came to show how against amber heard everybody is but just how crazily tuned in everybody was to this case you know what i mean yeah i saw that clip too and when i saw the clip i didn't think i mean i don't know what to think but it's a very weird way to blow your nose, is all I'm going to say. I saw her, and it was like, she put it near her nose, and then she just kind of just went up and then down. <laughs> and then I'm like, is that how you blow your nose? I don't know if that's how you blow your nose. I don't know if it's coke or anything, but it was just a very weird way to blow your nose. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was a weird way to blow her nose, but just can you imagine the pair of balls you would have to have to do coke on the stand like that? Like. That's the craziest shit I've ever heard of. <laughs> I think it's equally as crazy as pooping on your your, your boyfriend's bed. <laughs> uh, you got a point. Touche. 
Yeah, oh she God, she she's so on a different thing, atmosphere. Man. She's on a different atmosphere. Yeah, so it was definitely just a mess, man, and the publicity behind it also made it just that much more chaotic. And it was definitely something that I tuned in a lot during the beginning, and then I kind of just watched videos and stuff about major developments throughout these past six weeks. And there was a lot of those developments, man. And I can only imagine how stressful it was for people like Amber and Johnny and how annoying it was for the people in the courtroom to have to deal with this kind of circus around it all, people camping out, doing all this and that. But I mean, I saw channels going over Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's uh, outfits for every day. You know what I mean? Like every day they'd be like, oh, this was Johnny's three-piece suit with the navy blue da 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 and i'm just like you guys are really like analyzing and ranking and rating these people's court clothes like that's that's ridiculous right yeah it's definitely ridiculous but i'm sure <laughs> it got the views the views probably was like oh bro yeah i kind of want to i'm sure the banger okay yeah i mean yeah i i think i think the consensus is pretty clear uh amber heard is crazy feel sorry for Johnny Depp dealing with that, I don't know if John. I don't know without Amber Heard if Johnny Depp is a good person or not. But from what has been told from his exes, mm -hmm. he's never been abusive. Yeah. So right. it's yeah. making me think that it's. I mean, Amber Heard's definitely sounding like the instigator, the causer. Like, yeah. It, sound, it sounds a lot like yeah. Johnny Depp's past doesn't show any signs of abuse or anything like that, but it seems like when they're together, it's very toxic for them. And she probably kind of pulled him into that abuse in a matter of sense. Like she would probably hit him, uh, throw stuff at him and he might've hit her or threw stuff back and he was responding to her abuse, but still you can't do that. You know what I mean? So I think he, they're both guilty to a degree for abusing each other, but I don't think that and we have proof that other people that Johnny Depp has been with don't have to worry about those kind of things. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, hey, man, Johnny, get your bag. You know, hopefully you get yeah, your I hope he gets the bag. bag. But I mean, he's missing bag. out on the uh, Fantastic Beast movie, the Pirates of Caribbean. They're making another movie without Johnny Depp. I don't know how that's going to go. I won't watch it. Imagine watching a Pirates of the Caribbean movie without Captain Jack Sparrow. It just doesn't make sense. So Yeah, I'll pass on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass on that too. But um, overall, yeah, I, man, it's a pretty crazy situation. And tomorrow, I guess we'll find out how it really ends. You know, facts. I'm sure we'll be trending on Twitter. I'm sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure. So, with that said, I think it's time to get into our last segment. Uh, we talked about the guy who puts cream on the Mona Lisa. We talk about Amber Heard lying all day. Now let's talk about the most serious topic you'll ever hear, uh, the NBA Finals. Let's go, baby. So Golden State Warriors versus Boston Celtics. I think for me personally, I'll be completely honest, I've always had the Golden State Warriors. No matter what bracket I had, I had them making the finals. So I'm glad about that. Boston, the only, the when I finally was like, Boston's making it to the finals is like midway through the Bucks series. And I was like, yeah, go and stay Boston. So that's just me. I had a, I had been pulling for the Suns. I, I was pulling for the Suns, but I thought the Warriors were probably going to make it to the finals. And I was pulling for the Bucks, 
but I thought that actually, no, I thought the Bucks were going to make it to the finals as well. And then once they got eliminated, I was hoping that the Heat would win. But I just don't like the Celtics, man. So like, I'm I, I think I'm going to probably end up rooting for the Warriors because I do want to see Steph kind of claim some of the things that he needs to get done to kind of get that monkey off his back with some of the things that have been held against him, which we'll get into here at the little bit as far as you know what this means for Steph Curry's career, different things like that. Um, it's going to have a lot of implications for you know lasting legacies for people like you know Steph and Draymond and them and a lot of the guys on the Celtics they're all really young so they still have a lot of time to build up their you know their resume and things like that but um yeah the first game is this Thursday and I'm just excited to see uh how it plays out you know like the Celtics have been playing really well on the road and I'm just curious to see how this first game will play out you know yeah um I'm pretty sure Celtics are at home because they're the two seed and Golden State was a three seed. So okay. it'll be at Boston. Um, the Golden State, for the most part, has never had troubles winning at, on the road. So they should be fun in terms of home court versus, you know, road games. It, so when it comes to this playoff matchup, I've, I've heard a lot of opinions. Here and there, I watch ESPN. I watch... Stephen A. I watched the newcomer Patrick Beverly saying the crazy stuff he'd been saying on the uh, on the television screen. Nick Wright, Chris Broussard, even uh, Shannon. I can't take Skip. Skip, I don't like any of his takes. Skip just says, just talks. But from what I've gathered, I've I've heard some different opinions. But for me, when it comes to the Boston Warriors matchup. Boston is going to be a problem. I'm rooting for the Warriors, but Boston is going to be a problem because of their perimeter defense. Like, they could put Smart on Steph. That was probably what they're going to do. Yeah. Run around with Steph. They could put Brown on Clay. They could put uh, Jason They, they Tatum. match up really well. Exactly. Yeah, no, it should be uh, their strengths match up really well, specifically, and their personnel. So you have, like you said, the personnel-wise with – smart guarding uh Steph and then you have you know Jalen Brown being able to guard Clay and you could even have actually I'd probably have Tate and Jason Tatum guard Clay and Jalen Brown maybe guard Draymond um but you can they can mix it shuffle it around but well they have to guard Andrew Wiggins uh, so yeah, Wiggins Jason Tatum has to guard yeah because yeah, been playing well so they at least have players and personnel and that's one of the things that Boston's been really good at this whole playoffs and it really works well against like Giannis and some other people is the variation of their players and the positions they can kind of have they have a bunch of guys that can guard multiple positions and being able to put fresh bodies on you know the hot score will do them a lot of good um and their strengths like you said is perimeters and obviously we all know the warriors bomb from the perimeter so if they can kind of minimize their efficiency from the perimeter it'll go a long way for their defense you know as far as boston's trying to do exactly but with that said they have been very inconsistent on the playoffs. And one thing that is very notable, in any of those uh, games, if they had a second score, and I'm talking about the Nets too, because even the Nets, both Kyrie and Kevin Durant were not playing good on the same game. Yeah, Chris Middleton was injured in the second round, and Jimmy Butler was smoking him by himself. Yeah, Each one of those series... They never had a second score. Now you're playing the Warriors. Let me tell you, Steph is gonna be Steph. He's gonna be. He's gonna do what he gotta do. He's gonna be cooking y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Clay, Wiggins, Poole. 
They yeah. don't. They they have scores. They're going to score on the Celtics. Jordan, Jordan Poole's really emerged this playoff, man, and uh, he was somebody that had been playing good, but once you get to the playoffs, it's a different level of competition and everything tightens up the rotations shorten and everything like that and to see him not only play well but really elevate his game during the playoffs has been great to see man and it's kind of crazy how the warriors kind of pull these talented players out like this you know what i mean like guys that continually to make them deep and they have always gotten a lot of production out of their guys outside of the big three it used to be guys like igudala sean livingston and now they're transitioning to this new, you know, era of the Warriors where you're getting stuff from Wiggins and Poole and even guys like Kavon Looney played really, really well. He had something like double digit offensive boards for a couple of those games, like really getting yeah. effort from their, you know, supporting cast. That's going to go a long way. Boston's a lot more well-rounded. You know what I mean? Like you obviously have Tatum and a couple guys that are your main scores and stuff like that, but they have a lot more guys that randomly will contribute you know 12 to 18 points for all of their you know roster damn near yeah well one thing i will say in terms of this matchup um that is going to be very important for the celtics to be because i think it's pretty clear from how we're speaking well for me anyway i have the warriors winning this finals matchup uh i just think they in terms of talent i think the warriors got them but celtics do have a lot of you know role players that can fill their role such as like grant williams al horford and robert williams they have a lot of size and that's going to be good for them but they don't have interior scores i would say but they have yeah. size which is good but you know even the grizzlies had size and the nuggets definitely had size with aaron gordon and nicola Jokic, and they couldn't dominate the warriors interior uh in the paint either but I think the, the determining factor for the Celtics to really make it difficult for the Warriors is Marcus Smart has to be all over Stephen Curry. If he, because he's been injured for a few games, so that's a problem. And the way he plays, I don't know if you watch a lot of um, his him playing. Decent Marcus, bit. he plays recklessly. Like, he throws his body yeah anywhere it's got so, a lot of rodman in them you know exactly and that could lead to injuries which it has which made him miss a lot of games because if marcus smart's not in there jalen brown is not guarding Steph, and right. jalen brown's a pretty good defender but he, he's not guarding Steph nearly as good as marcus smart nobody on the bench is guarding Steph, and if you put tatum on Steph, which i guess is possible because of his length then you know it makes it a little bit more difficult because Steph. One, their offense is constant movement, so you're yeah. going to tire out Jason Tatum, which is say, your yeah, best if player. Have, if you have Tatum guarding Steph, then you're going to really minimize the efficiency that he'll have on offense. And in the finals, you need to have that go-to score, so you would want to lighten the load that Jason Tatum has to do on defense so that he can be consistent on offense throughout the whole series because he hasn't always been as consistent. He's getting there, and he's being more consistent every game, but – he can still have a bad game um, and he can still kind of, you know, mix into the rest of the guys and not really stand out as much as he should, because if you get tired, yeah, man, it's hard to really put up the shots that you want when you're, you know, worn out from chasing someone like Steph Curry around the whole time. Yeah. I, I, I do want to, I, I know you said you were going to have the uh, Warriors winning the series, but I'll get your prediction for, you know, how many games towards the tail end of this segment, but I do want to know who you have taken game one in Boston. So 
game one, I'm probably going to give it to Golden State. And the reason why is, one, they've been rested. Um, mm-hmm. And this is the second game seven that the Celtics have played. So, you know, a lot of energy has been spent. The pressure of the finals is going to be huge for the Celtics. For all their players have never been in the finals before. Right. Uh, so, a lot of pressure. The Warriors will be composed. The Warriors will be rested. And beating the Warriors... I'm trying to... I don't think anybody has beaten the Warriors game one. So, beating the Warriors is really about adjusting to the Warriors. Yeah. And obviously, adjusting them in one game is going to be very tough. Yeah. Well, I mean, game one, playing on the road, the Warriors, with their experience, is really what benefits them to be able to have a good opportunity to go in there and steal game one. They've been here before. They've been resting, like you said. So the cards are all there and aligned for them to come in and steal game one. You know, the... Celtics have played a lot of games. They're worn out and they're young. So they haven't really had the, you know, the opportunities and the experience to really know how important it is to come out and make sure that every possession counts for something. You know, um, they're going to let a couple straight possessions and turnovers here and there get capitalized on by the Warriors. And those are the kind of things that allow you to be vulnerable to lose that game one and get it snatched away from you. But my last point on that is you were saying adjustments. Um, that brings us to this coaching, man. Uh, the coaching matchup is going to be interesting. Um, the Celtics coach, this is his first year. So for him to get to the finals is extremely impressive. He was like an assistant in San Antonio, I want to say, um, Udoka. And what do you think is going to be important for him to do as far as adjustments for his first trip to the finals with this young team? Hey, in terms of adjustments, what do you what they really have to kind of figure out is where they want to pick their spots in terms of um, Clay, Steph, Wiggins, and Jordan Poole, right? Steph, Steph, for the most part, even though people say, oh, he's been having a downturn, for the most part, he's been averaging over 25 points a game. So he's been doing it. The people who have been pretty inconsistent is Clay and Jordan Poole. And Clay's not been as good as he has been defensively in his past. Jordan mm-hmm. Poole is not a good defender. And Draymond, so the thing is, the big thing for me is whether they want to play small ball against the Warriors mm-hmm. or are they going to get big against the Warriors? Because they have the personnel to play small ball, for sure. Yeah. But they also have the personnel to play big ball. So my thing is, what what is your what are you gonna do to attack the Warriors? Are you gonna be big? Are you gonna be small? What is gonna be your go to lineup? I'm very curious on how they're gonna approach that because we've seen lineups play small, didn't work. We've seen lineups play big, didn't work. So I'm curious to see what yeah. they do. And that's one of the things. It's like that's where the adjustments really come in. And you probably have to try out your big lineup, see how it works. Try out your small lineup and see how it works because the Warriors can run away with the game playing either way. It just depends on how it kind of plays out for them. And I think it's more obviously more favorable for Boston to play a big lineup because when they do play their bigger lineups, that's when they're at their peak defensively. And so we'll have to just see how efficient that actually works against the Warriors. Um, I'm curious to see how the Warriors will uh, approach, you know, whether they're going to be playing the smaller lineups, bigger lineups. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to it all and what will be, the ideal lineups for each team. And I don't know. I just think that it's going to be a 
an interesting chess match between the coaches to see like what kind of players from the bench and stuff really get more burn. Um, Steve Kerr has been really good about those kind of things in the past. And um, the Celtics coach Udoka has been done doing a pretty good job as of recently, but Steve Kerr really got the most out of his bench players in those past years when, you know, Iguodala, Livingston, all those guys were really producing a lot when they needed to. Yeah. And the Warriors bench this year has also been doing a very good job. Uh, Otto Porter, has been amazing like he's like turned the dial when he used to be an elite three-point shooter he's been knocking down his threes playing good defense mm-hmm. being a very good playmaker uh even the rookies bro the rookies have been coming in and playing big minutes with jonathan kaminga i watch some of the times he's very athletic he's they're probably they're um, i mean bro they've been posterizing a lot of people i didn't think about it andrew wiggins posters a few people including luca Gary Payton postered a few people. Like, they've been postering people. They had sneaky athleticism, but Gary Payton off the bench, Kaminga off the bench, um, Otto Porter, as I said, off the bench. And if they need to bring in Damian Lee, Moses Moody, Bielitsa, they can all play their role and play it very well. So the Warriors have a lot of uh, good things. And I think one thing people underrate or people are also not considering is the Warriors are actually a very good defensive team. Like, a oh, very yeah. good defensive team. And I don't know if they're going to play zone like they did against Luka because they literally played box and one zone on Luka and box and one zone on Nikola Jokic. And they played zone on Morant, kind of. They just made sure he didn't get to the paint, but they let him shoot all day. Yeah. So the Celtics will be interesting because I don't see Tatum as dangerous of a scorer as Luka or Morant. But he's better all-around player than, uh, I'd say, Morant. And then all-around player is better than Luka, too. But in terms of his offense, he can be very streaky. Jalen Brown, he has to step up. So yeah. he needs to alleviate that pressure off of Tatum. So I'm very curious to see how the Warriors are going to defend it. They're probably going to have Wiggins on Tatum. And then Clay on Jalen Brown, probably. And yeah, I can if that's the, I mean, Wiggins did a good job on Luca, so I'm sure I'm curious to see what Tatum does. Yeah, Wiggins has really came into his own this year playing with the Warriors, and I'm glad to see him really starting to live up to that number one pick. And the Warriors started to when they kind of reloaded this team. They they obviously have shooters, but they really went out and got athletic guys that can play well on the perimeter and defend, but also kind of taking that role of slashing to where they can attack the basket because. Steph, yeah, he can t- attack the basket. So can Clay a little bit, but that's not their forte. And when you get somebody that's pretty efficient at attacking the basket, like um, Wiggins and stuff like that, it leaves people open for kickouts. You know, you open up more opportunities to get to the free throw line. So it really plays into what they're aiming for with this new roster, which I do want to ask you. The last time the Warriors were in the finals without Kevin Durant was what, 2015 or so? How do you think that this team compares to that team that made it to the final? Uh, so there's a lot of things that people need to consider in terms of the 2015 Warriors. Um, one, obviously Steph won MVP that year, I believe. But Steph was really young. Clay was really young. Draymond Green was really young. You know, their, their veteran was Andre Iguodala, but he's never been to a finals. So that team was basically this Celtics team. Literally, basically this Celtics team in terms of no experience, rising superstar with Stephen Curry, 
with the second man in Clay Thomas, Clay Thompson, who's also rising, but has not proved that Clay Thompson has not proven himself nearly as much as Jalen Brown has already. Uh, Draymond Green, which is like the you know you coming into his own. Smart. Yeah, the market smart. So that team was young. And sure, they played LeBron in the Cavs and, you know, was forward. I don't remember if Kyrie and Kevin Love were out the entire playoffs or were they only out in the finals. I don't really remember. Um, Kevin Love was out the entire finals and then Kyrie got hurt in the finals. Okay. So, yeah. I know a lot of people go like, oh, yeah, it, they they lost to the uh, – they beat the Cavs in that situation. And true, you know, LeBron was missing his uh, – his is two dual partners the same time let's that version of the warriors is not the hall of famers it took a few years before they all became who they really are and that version this version of the warriors they are who they are steph is a solidified mvp superstar borderline top 10 player clay not he has that injury, but he knows how to play now. He's a solidified sharpshooter. Draymond Green's IQ has risen. Um, Iguodala was even older, so this version awakens. I would take over that version of Iguodala, although that version of Iguodala is smarter than this version of Wiggins. But this yeah. one Igu- version that Iguodala too just happened to be like the clutchest shooter out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Like the Andre Iguodala in the finals and even the western conference finals he just tended to knock down big shots you know what i mean and so that was really key for them but yeah wiggins is locking up people he's making big shots and he's scoring pretty efficiently but um they're just great role players to fill that role for the warriors from each roster you know what i mean exactly and the, the difference obviously is the experience the uh you know you know how to play way better because obviously the year after they won 73 games. So they yeah. that year they found who them who they are, won 73 games, lost in the finals. People overblow the fact that they needed Kevin Durant to beat LeBron James. They went to a game seven. Like, let's not act like they the the Cavaliers just blew out the Warriors in the finals. That just didn't happen. It was a close game, close series for both teams, and they won by a few points, like in the finals in game seven. Yeah. So they they found out who they are. This is the Warriors, who they are right now. And Jordan Poole off the bench, very huge. Kevin yeah. Looney, who's the center that Andrew Bogut? It used to be Andrew Bogut on the 2015 squad, yeah. Yeah, he was a big body, but I think I feel like this Looney's a way better passer. So that makes him better on the on the court than that version of Andrew Bogut. Mm-hmm. And this Warriors team just plays smarter than that 2015. They play better defense than that 2015 version. And other than Clay, they're better players than that 2015 version. So I would take this version over the 2015 version because of you know everything they've been through. Personally, personally, I would. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of tough. I mean, the Warriors have never had. A lot. Well, I mean, I guess they did have elite defender with Draymond and Clay, but they've always been a team that plays great team defense. You know what I mean? Like they're not relying on just their best defender to like you know carry the defense. They really do play well as a team defensively, covering up for each other's mistakes, different things like that. And this team, current team, does that pretty well as well. You know what I mean? Especially when Clay's not the peak defender like he was back then, but 
other guys like Draymond and Wiggins, they're kind of making up for those uh, dips in their defense individually. Um, so, yeah, it's tough, man. I think their defenses are about equal, but offensively, I think that they get a little bit more scoring out of Jordan Poole than they did out of – Jordan Poole and Wiggins than they did out of people like Iguodala and Harrison Barnes back then. So, yeah, it's tough, man. I'm not really sure which one I think was better. Because I'm stuck on the fact of that, like, peak clay looked really freaking good. You know what I mean? But 2015 wasn't peak clay. I would say give him two more, even the year after or two years after, that I would call those peak clay. Even the Raptors run when they play the Raptors, that clay Thompson was filthy. So I think I don't even, I would even call her 2015 peak clay personally. Um, I don't know if you're looking up the stats, but I am. Yeah, I would. I would. I would call 2015 Clay Peak Play. I probably would call, which is the Raptor series 2018. I probably say 2018 Clay maybe Peak Clay before the ACL, because that wasn't that the year he wasn't that the year he scored 60 points in one quarter, or something like that, or 30 points in one quarter, or something crazy. In all honesty, he's done crazy stuff like that multiple times. So it's kind of hard to pin down exactly when those games were. Um, hold on, let me see if this 2015 looking like. Yeah, so. Actually, no, he's been pretty pretty even across all those. His scoring was 22. Actually, that was his highest average out of all of his years. 22 a game. For which year? Uh, 2015 and 2016, and then he's averaged 20 or anywhere from 20 to 20, yeah, anywhere from 20 to 22 for his career, pretty much, or like these peak years. But in those peak championship run years, 2015 was when he uh averaged the most. Then in 2016, it was only 2015 was 22.1 points, 2016 was 22.3, so it was about the same. Uh, I'm gonna look at his percentage um, real quick just to see if either of them had a better peak. So, yeah, another thing I would add, because, like, 2016, their 73 run, and then 2017 and 2018, he was a third option, scoring, what, 21 points still? That's so, true. That is true. So that is and, a good point that, you know, he had a reduced role but was still pretty much scoring just as much. Yeah, and that's purely, like, anytime you give him ball, shoot, score. Like, right. you know, he barely needs touches at that point. Yeah, well, and at that point, when you get someone like a Kevin Durant on your roster, that's just – giving Clay the opportunity to have some more wide open shots. You know what I mean? Like he was probably getting better looks on those teams with Kevin Durant, of course, because the pressure is focused on KD and Steph. Um, when he was on the 2015 team, there wasn't that additional um, additional help where he got more wide open shots and stuff like that. So it is, it's kind of a tough case. Um, I think I'm going to go with the 2015 teams better, in my opinion. Um, actually, I don't know, man. This team is interesting, and I'm really excited to see how they play it out. But I might go with the 2015 team. We'll see, though. Um, I do want to ask you about MVP stuff. We first want to talk a little bit about specifically Steph. We're gonna. I want to ask you a little later afterwards some other people you might think have an opportunity to win MVP. Yeah. But we all know that Steph not having a Finals MVP is a big deal in the basketball world especially in relation to his 
his legacy and just kind of the things that he needs to still achieve in his career because he's done pretty much everything else you know what i mean exactly yeah what do you think winning this um or winning the mvp would mean for steph this year so i'm one of those I, I, let me be honest with everybody here i'm not gonna pretend like i don't have some sort of bias because currently as of right now stephen curry is my favorite basketball player in the nba uh oh, yeah. to kind of give a bigger per- exactly to give a kind of bigger picture kind of little go a little journey on my favorite players used to be kobe <laughs> oh r.i.p kobe big uh kobe friend then it was paul george but then he did some weird stuff and i was like all right paul george i'm kind of i like you still but you can't be my favorite player anymore <laughs> then it became stephen curry and steph even though he should have won 2015 finals mvp i stand by that people overblow how Andre Iguodala's performance in the finals. Stephen Curry, for some reason, this finals MVP, out of all the achievements he has, the finals MVP is the reason why he's not as great as he should be. So that winning the finals MVP does one of does two things actually. First thing, it solidify it shuts up everybody who says Steph Curry doesn't have a finals MVP. First thing it does. Second thing. It solidifies that Steph does not need Kevin Durant to win a championship, even though it doesn't make sense that he needs it to him anyway because he already won a championship. But people right. are still using that narrative for some reason. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, it's because the year that he won without Kevin Durant, LeBron had all these injuries on his team and stuff like that. So, like, I could see where people are coming from. But if he can win this one just outright without Kevin Durant, without a bunch of excuses for the other team, then yeah, it don't mean a lot for him. Yeah, and like I, I see what you're saying, but then I would only agree to that if in 2016 the Cavs and the the Cavs blew out the Warriors in the finals, but it went to Game Seven and they won right. by a few points. So I don't really understand why that's a big argument. LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love are all elite players that are going to the Hall of Fame, so I don't see really why it's a big deal. But all right, so and to kind of solidify my point here, personally. The argument needs to start when it comes to Stephen Curry entering the top 10 players of all time conversation. So let me ask you something in terms of the top 10 players of all time. Once he wins or if he wins the finals MVP, wins the championship, what does he enter the top 10 players of all time for you before you answer that? I don't know what your top 10 is, but I have 11 players that I think is pretty consensus top 11. Mm-hmm. But MJ, not order, no order, no order, so people can't annoy me. MJ, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Larry Bird, Kobe Bryant, Bill Russell, Walt Chamberlain, Tim Duncan, Shaq, and Akeem Olajuwon. So those are 11 players that I feel like are consensus top 11 in the general NBA space. What do you think about that list so far? No, I think that that, that list is pretty spot on, man. Um, definitely all legends and definitely people that have been dominant in their time. Um, could play in almost any era, can play against any competition. Um, I think you said it wasn't in any order, right? Yeah, no order. Okay, then yeah, because I was about to say, I would probably put Shaq a little higher, but if it's not in a specific order, I can understand that. Um, but actually, it kind of brings me to my point of Shaq is kind of like a Steph Curry in a matter of sense because Shaq was so dominant 
at the way that he played basketball that there's no one that could really come close to him at what he did then. And Steph is very similar. There's nobody that can shoot like him. There's nobody that's done the things that we've seen him do on top of all of his achievements. So I think you gotta you gotta probably put him in the top 10 if he wins this, gets that MVP. I, I would be on board with that, man. Um, well, what are the two players you kick out? Because that was 11 players. Who are the two um, players you kick out? I will answer after, or if you want me to answer before, I'll answer before. Um, just read me the list one more time, if you don't mind. Gotcha. So the list is MJ, LeBron. We don't need to talk about those two. But Kareem, Magic, Larry Bird, Kobe, Bill Russell, Wilt, Tim Duncan, Shaq, and Hakeem Olajuwon. I'd probably take out Hakeem and Tim Duncan. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think Tim Duncan, as great as he was, he had the perfect system, coaching. He had the perfect people around him. He got to play with people like David Robinson earlier to learn from and then played with, you know, three other or two other Hall of Famers. Um, so I think that as great as he was, he had some help with them, too. And a lot of these people all had help. I get that. But I think the manner that Steph Curry dominated is more entertaining. I think it's statistically better for a lot of the things that matter to me. Um, and Hakeem, he hasn't won as much as Steph. But also, I think that there's people in this list that are just as good as him at the things that they do. You know what I mean? There's other guys that are just as good as him that are big guys uh, that I would choose over him. So, yeah, um, I'd probably take out Tim Duncan and his team. Okay. But I'm, Steph I'm not mad at it. Greatest point guard of all time if he uh, – uh, yeah, him and Magic's a tough one to choose between. That that's the, another conversation because I do, man. I really wanted him to win MVP this year, and he was the favorite for the first half of the year. Then he kind of just fell off, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. But uh, I, if he won the MVP too, oh, we got to start talking Magic and stuff, bro. Yeah. MVP Finals MVP the same year. Oh, we got to start talking. But yeah, that's um, a tough, that's a tough debate right there. Actually, I think I'd oh, still, yeah. I think I'd still take Steph though. Just his. His dangerousness, you know what I mean? Like Steph can bring you back from a game when you're down, you know, 20 like that. He can, you know, he's still just as good to get people involved and do different things like that. Like he can distribute the ball, which is what Magic was known for. Um, only thing that Magic really has a bigger, like a, a clear difference in upper hand on is Magic could play defense and play defense on multiple positions. And Steph's... I wouldn't call his defense elite defense, though. I would say yeah, he can I'll, play defense, but I wouldn't say it's elite or anything. Yeah, but there was more so – I wouldn't say it was elite either, but he could play better defense, and he could play multiple positions defensively. You know what I mean? Like he started at center in the finals before, different things like that. It's something that works in his favor. and But he could not score, especially from deep, like Steph does. You know what I mean? And the Steph being able to shoot like he does is a massive advantage in today's NBA game. You know what I mean? Um yeah, I, I don't know. If he wins it this year and takes that, I he's got a really good case for being the best point guard of all time. I, I would agree to that. His case definitely gets way closer. I, the people who still say Steph is not the second greatest point guard of all, all time, at least, is just they're just the being dilute. Like you're just you're not making a point because there's no way you say Isaiah Thomas or Oscar Robertson's better than Steph right now. Like no. there's no, there's no case you can make to put them in front of Steph. 
I was debating swapping Bill Russell for Tim Duncan in this conversation and booting out Bill Russell, but it's just hard to deny the stats and the winning that he did. You know what I mean? Like the man's just a winner and very few people won like he did. So it's a tough, tough one, but he would probably be my next one to pull out. But I also don't know as much about Bill Russell as I do all the other players. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say I'll go a step further and say in terms of where Steph will end up when his career is all said and done, there depend I mean, if he falls off a cliff and never does anything after this championship, then it gets kind of harder. But I don't his his game can translate for a couple more years at least. So, oh no, he's gonna he's gonna be able to play for a long time. The only thing that's gonna ever really like change for him is as his long athleticism. as conditioning good. Yeah, as long as he's because he, his game relies heavily on constant moving, staying out, running around without the ball, with the ball. And, you know, as long as he can keep up that speed and not get too slow and, like, you know, be able to just keep maintain that, then he'll, he'll be able to play for a while because he'll be able to shoot until he's, you know, dead and gone because he is just a master class at shooting. So, exactly. you know, he might have to adjust some things, but he'll be able to get buckets for a long time. Oh, yeah, 100% for sure. And so – yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, if he wins the finals MVP, I'm not mad at Akeem Tim. I could argue Akeem Bill. Um, some people have argued Larry Bird Bill, getting uh, him getting in front of Larry Bird and Bill Russell. Um, so at, at the end of the day, when his career is all said and done, he could end up the fourth greatest player of all time. Yeah, he's, he's realistically. He's got the opportunity to, man. Like, he's still not very, like, he's still got good years in his system and he has a team built around him that is going to be together for a while and the young players are really starting to pick up their game and really start to elevate their game so like they're going to be competing for championships for the next few years you know what i mean um and as long as steve kirk keeps coaching them upright and they try to resign the people that are able to resign i think that they yeah they have a shot in the next few years to going back again or you never know um as long as they can keep their defense tight and being able to like really defend multiple positions and, you know, multiple teams like they have been, then yeah, they're going to have a chance to go back pretty consistently. And we'll, I guess we'll see, especially if they win this year, they'll be highly motivated to go next year. Yeah. Just keep on stacking Stephen Curry's resume, get Clay Thompson in the top 75 of all time, get Draymond green top 75 of all time. And next year, I can bet money that Clay will be in better shape, be a lot more comfortable. He might be able to elevate back to being a better defender like he was. Cause I mean, we're still in the first year of him coming back from major injuries. You know what I mean? Like the dude didn't play for two years. So yeah, this is the first to, year they're all back. Like the right, moment well, they're all the back, point, they're in the finals. He came back when like, it was like uh, right after the all-star break. Um, I think so. But regardless, he played like half a season before entering the playoffs and they're in the finals. So imagine him getting a full year off or the summer off, being able to go through training camp, being able to get a full year of playing. Like it's going to be a lot better for him. And I think he'll up his actual efficiency, things like those going into the next year. Yeah. And they still have pieces to move. People forget. They still got James Wiseman. Whether I, or not he plays on the team, they can still trade him for someone. Yeah, no, and they, they got players that, that – that's another thing with people like Jordan Poole and um, 
other guys really starting to play well, they'll be able to trade them, resign them, do whatever they need to. They have pieces that can be valuable on the market if they need to upgrade a certain position or this or that. Um, it's definitely a possibility that they can do, and they're they're sitting in a good position. Yeah, I mean, LeBron said he wants to play with Steph, so you know. <laughs> Holy Christ! <laughs> um, but speaking of MVP, still, if you don't see Steph Curry winning the MVP for the finals, who else could you see winning it? You could tell me someone for the Warriors and the Celtics if you uh, have somebody in mind. Okay, well, I won't say anybody else from the Warriors because I don't want to put that uh, voodoo inside the uh, space of basketball because there ain't no way anybody but Steph is winning that finals MVP. We just don't, we won't allow it. Um, But the Celtics, now it gets pretty interesting for the Celtics because Jason Tatum's obviously the best player, right? Mm -hmm. But as I said before, I don't think he's the deciding factor. I think Marcus Smart is. If Marcus Smart plays out of because also Jason Tatum has been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. If Marcus Smart plays out of his mind, I could see Marcus Smart taking that finals MVP away from Tatum. And he may I don't know who has more Celtics clout, Celtic fan base clout, Marcus Smart or Jason Tatum. Because Marcus Smart's like the heart of the Boston Celtics. But Jason Tatum's their best player. So I I don't I don't know. I don't know. But I think Marcus Smart could take it personally. Yeah, no, I actually, uh, I agree with you 100%, man. Um, if the Celtics were to win in the finals, uh, MVP had to get put to one of them. I think that Tatum's the one that you would imagine because he's going to be carrying the majority of the scoring load, things like that. But I think the series is more crucially pivoted on how well Marcus Smart can lock up Steph. And if he has the chance to really impact Steph in a real negative way, it honestly kind of mirrors what we were talking about earlier with Andre Iguodala winning the finals MVP. Because Iguodala, he hit big shots, but he was getting the most credit for locking up LeBron and keeping LeBron contained and making sure he, you know, made it difficult on LeBron night in and night out. And if Marcus Smart can do that kind of thing and keep his like, you know, maybe raise his scoring load a little bit where he can score a little bit more than he averaged so far, where it shows that he's clearly elevating his game, but also being able to bring that defensive aspect where he can really, you know, I don't want to say lock up Steph because Steph's still going to get buckets, but, you know, um, minimize the impact that Steph has on the game. I think he could definitely steal that finals MVP, very similar to what Andre Iguodala did. Yeah. And one thing to kind of, you know, side note with the Iguodala thing, as I told you, I think I told you earlier, I don't know um, if you uh, were listening because you're kind of busy, but before we start up the podcast today, I was watching, I was on Twitch and I was watching Legend of Winning um re-watching the 2015 NBA Finals. So that was kind of fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he was re-watching those 2015 NBA Finals is to uh, challenge the narrative that Iguodala deserved Finals MVP because he was locking up LeBron. So I was watching that for a bit. I Obviously, I wasn't didn't have enough time to watch everything he watched. But he was tallying up everything that was going on when it comes to LeBron and his scoring. And Iguodala, although he was his primary defender, based on what LeBron was doing and how the defense was played, if you really look at it, Iguodala gets way too much credit for locking up LeBron because most of it is double teams, team defense, and all that. Even, I completely agree, but 
even when Le- uh, Iguodala gets all this credit for locking up LeBron, LeBron, I want to say, still led every statistical category for exactly. the entire series. Exactly. You know I mean? so, yeah, I completely agree that he might get too much credit for that. Um, because LeBron still balled out, averaged more points, rebounds, assists than everybody on both teams. Still, he was literally dominant. You know what I mean? If there was ever a case to give the MVP to somebody that lost the finals, it would be that series for LeBron. And you would have an argument, but in terms of who deserve, that's why I say I have, I, I like you with Allah, but realistically other like this was just a narrative vote that's the only reason because he was guarding lebron he wins finals mvp even though all the statistics and all that says steph curry should have won it so that's why i'm like bro people use finals mvp too harshly and i like something that legend of winning said in terms of mvp and finals mvp is sure if you win obviously you give the credit but people should start looking into the top three voted to kind of get a fuller picture of how dominant that player because the top three all arguable at that point yeah. it's just a very arguable like this year Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis all three of them extremely dominant dominant all of them got their uh got plenty of votes Nikola Jokic deserves credit for winning it but if we like one tier down of credit give it to who was second Embiid was second I believe Mm-hmm. Another tier down of credit, you should give you Giannis for being third. So I think that's a good way once you st- uh, judging greatest player because you you can actually find all this information on Basketball Reference. I don't know if that was what you were using, but uh, hey man, I think people need to start looking into like what's actually going on in the basketball court sometimes because to prevent stuff like that. But for the Marcus Smart situation, if he plays extremely good defense. If he's the heart of the team, if he attacks Steph on the offensive end, because Steph is not a bad defender, but mm-hmm. you want to tire Steph out, then Marcus Smart, that's why I say Marcus Smart could win finals MVP. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting and uh, definitely a shot at that. But um, well, I guess to pretty much wrap up this final conversation, what do you think the Warriors will win? Because you already said you're rooting for them and you think they're going to win. How many games do you think it's going to last? All right, so I think the Warriors will win in six, personally. Okay. Um, I, I definitely think they don't want it to go to game seven because the Celtics have home court, so they don't want it to go to game seven um, just because, you know, based off principle. I do think the Warriors can steal the first game then win their games at home. So I think the Warriors will win in six, personally. It'll be, I think it'll be a very close game or the Warriors just hand it to the Celtics. That's how I kind of see it. Yeah. I'm really leaning towards the, uh, the Warriors in five. I, if they steal game one, I, I, I would say Warriors in five. Um, I think that the experience is going to really show for the Celtics. And if Marcus Smart isn't fully healed from his injury and he's not really uh, – producing like he should be as the defensive player of the year and kind of being the heart for the Celtics, then I think they're in a lot of trouble. So they need Marcus Smart to be really good and they need Jason Tatum to be really consistent. And I just don't know if those things are going to happen for them. And I feel like the Warriors are on a mission. They're really out to like prove that they can win without Kevin Durant and they, you know, that they're back. And I feel like 
it could be just a smash town. You know what I mean? So I'm interested to see how it plays out. Um, I get the feeling that the Warriors are going to win game one. And from that, I think Warriors in five. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It should be a very interesting series. Um, credit to the Celtics to making it to the finals. But yeah, at the sure. same time, don't forget, Jimmy Butler almost beat him by himself. So let's always put things in perspective. Jim, Jimmy Butler <laughs> right. is a good player, but not hey man <laughs> hey yeah. i'm just saying hey. the monster, like playing against the warriors you know yeah if i i would say if jimmy butler and the heat play the Warriors, i would say the warriors went in five hey, hey, jimmy butler he did good but the warriors are gonna do way better they ain't they ain't gonna let jimmy butler just do that to him yeah like, nah so yeah i think that's pretty much all we got for today's episode the first episode of the trend and i think it was a very good episode i hope it's you guys hurt. all enjoyed um and be in tune for more great content moving forward. Uh, any final words? Um, yeah, no. Make sure to stop in and check out the trend, guys. We're going to be dropping new episodes, um, hopefully pretty consistently. We would like to do them, you know, throughout the weeks. And, um, yeah, make sure to follow us on uh, Twitter. Um, RTL is what? R- at RTL Faith. RTL Faith, yes, sir. And mine's at Gold Soul Radio. And, um yeah, go ahead and drop some comments and let me know what you guys think. Um, all of the topics, we would love to hear your opinions on. So that's about it for us today, guys. Um, but hope you enjoyed the episode. Yes, sir. And also rate us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everything else. Y'all take care. Peace. Later. <laughs>